You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Hello, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and holy cow, am I going to have a different show today than what I planned on at least uh, probably the first 20 minutes or so. Uh, I was already super excited about today's show because if you've been listening to the past few episodes, you know that today is Jonah Carey Day. Uh, so Jonah's going to join me a little bit later on. We're going to talk probably uh, mostly about the Blue Jays. Uh, so uh, I've been looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, there's another thing going on in baseball that definitely deserves some attention. And that, of course, is the big, big Jose Quintana trade. A little bit of crosstown traffic uh, in Chicago with uh, Quintana going to the Cubs. A little crosstown trade there. And uh, going the other way to uh to the white Sox, a couple of big prospects uh outfielder eloy jimenez and uh pitcher dylan cease uh and a couple of other prospects uh, first baseman matt rose and uh infielder bryant fleet so uh five players in all but of course three pretty big names uh the biggest of course jose quintana but jimenez and cease uh very very nice haul for the white Sox. so of course this just you know brings up all sorts of questions um in terms of Quintana's value, moving from the AL to the NL, moving from the White Sox to the Cubs, change of ballpark, I actually think that might be the biggest impact right there uh, because Wrigley Field is overall pretty neutral uh, for hitters. And, uh, you know, in terms of runs scored, actually there's not that much difference. Guaranteed rate, rate field in terms of runs is uh, pretty close to neutral, but it's a big-time home run ballpark, and that is an area where Quintana has struggled this year more than usual, uh, and he has given up a disproportionate share of his home runs at home. So he's going to a park that's going to help him out. Uh, and, of course, the move to the NL should help Quintana out uh, as well. And then you've got the White Sox with um, an opening in the rotation, but they don't need a, a fifth starter for at least a couple of weeks. So uh, it was the 28th of July was uh, the date that I had targeted as uh, when they would need uh, a fifth starter. They could certainly choose to put in a fifth starter before then. But, you know, they've got all kinds of arms down on the farm, most notably Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez. I think we'll see those two sooner than later, uh, but we probably won't see them, I would think, for a couple of weeks. Uh, But I think they're both certainly worth stashing if you've got the room to do so, even though both have struggled a bit this year uh, at AAA Charlotte. Bear in mind, though, Charlotte is a tough, tough ballpark for a pitcher. So, um, you know, like I was saying before, guaranteed rate field is no real bargain either. But, um, you know, I think that those pitchers should, or let me say, at least they could do a little better uh, upon promotion to the majors than their minor league stats would uh, would suggest. So anyways, uh, more on that. Other uh, news coming out today. Uh, busy, busy day. Uh, another minor league promotion from AA to AAA that's very noteworthy we'll get to. All that. Jonah Carey coming up a little bit later. And also, players who have 
surged heading into the second half. This was something I wanted to do on Tuesday's show. Ran out of time for the most part, but a lot of players to think about who are going into the second half red hot. And what does that mean, perhaps, for their second half value? So stick around. I will be right back after this break. In 2016, Scott Engel predicted an impressive second season from Melvin Gordon. Jake Seeley recommended Jordan Howard. Bobby McMahon forecasted a JGI breakthrough. George Kurtz saw a big year coming from Matt Ryan. And Joe Galena picked Rashard Matthews as one of his top sleepers. These predictions turned fantasy owners into champions, and the same crew returns this year. With more savvy calls in the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package at RotoExperts.com. Don't miss the calls that create winners. Register now and enter free radio at checkout for a special discount. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host for this show. And uh, just get right back to uh, the big news, the Jose, Jose Quintana trade. And just to kind of recap uh, the points I made in the first segment, I, I clearly think that this is a, uh, a net positive for Quintana. And sure, I'm, In fact, I'm not sure there's anything about it that's really a negative. Uh, I think in terms of run support, even though the Cubs have been disappointing so far this season, uh, I think it's uh, I think it's a positive move, and uh, the park is is better, particularly for somebody who struggled with home runs. The uh, NL is certainly a better pit place to pitch than the AL. So um, you know, Quintana's disappointed a bit this year, even though he's uh, getting more strikeouts, but. Uh, you know, I think he'll get back to pretty close to where he was. I think he'll be, you know, top thirty starter, um, and uh, you know, probably deliver a little bit more of what you were hoping for from him this year. So, um, moving on, because there's actually that's not the only news item, and not even really the only big news item uh, that's come up in the last few hours. The Dodgers have expressed some interest in trading for Zach Britton. That is amazing. <laughs> Just amazing. I mean, every year it seems like uh, the bar gets set a little bit higher for bullpen dominance. Uh, going back two, three years, you, you saw teams starting to trade to create these um, just incredible dominant eighth, ninth, sometimes seventh, eighth, ninth inning combos. Uh, I'm not sure that you you could top this one, to be honest. I mean, Chapman Miller, uh, you know, doesn't get much better than that, but Britain. Jansen, you could argue they're the two best closers in all of baseball, and presumably Britain would be setting up for Kenley, ja- ja- uh, excuse me, Kenley Jansen, and that would just be incredible from a Dodgers perspective, from a baseball fan perspective, from a Zach Britton owner perspective. This has just got to make steam come out of your ears, right? <laughs> I'm sure you paid a pretty penny for Zach Britton, uh, and again. The Dodgers have interest. Doesn't mean that they get him. Doesn't mean Britain gets traded. But this certainly becomes an intriguing story all of a sudden. And on a much more low-key, low-profile level, if you're a Brad Brock owner, you didn't have to pay a lot for him. And he could wind up being the Orioles' closer for the the vast majority of the season if uh, Britain heads west or elsewhere um, in the next couple of weeks. So uh, that's one to watch. But, uh, you know, I was already holding on to uh, Brock in a couple of leagues. Certainly no reason to let him go at this point. Um, So stay tuned on that one. 
Uh, there was a minor trade that still has some potential fantasy impact a little bit, maybe more deep league for this year. Uh, the Brewers have acquired Tyler Webb from the Yankees, uh, left-handed reliever. And um, going the other way, um, pardon me, sorry, just got uh, I opened up the wrong thing, to be honest. Like they got a minor league first baseman uh, from the Yankees. Uh, and I want to make sure I get the name right because I want to say it's Garrett Cooper. But um, in any event, the Yankees have you know, played a bunch of guys at first base. Uh, Cooper would you know, potentially maybe be uh, you know, one of the latest. And I apologize for that snafu. I just wanted to make sure I got the name right. It is Garrett Cooper uh, going from uh, the Brewers to the Yankees for uh, Tyler Webb. So... Um, that's yeah. That's one to watch. You know, maybe in the AL only leagues or a very, you know very deep league, uh, dynasty league, uh, you take a flyer on Cooper. I mean, I, I'm sort of um, hesitant to think that Cooper gets a call or gets to play a major role for the Yankees because um, you know I just think that they're they're going to hit the market to fill that need. But again, you know, in a very deep league, not a bad speculative move at all. So. Um, you know, that's that's one that probably at first glance didn't look like it really had much fantasy relevance, but it, it very well could. Um, also report that the Rangers may be trading you Darvish and or Cole Hamels. Um, so we'll, uh, you know, keep it keep it on that. I mean, the, the Darvish rumors have, have kind of been on and off. Uh, but, you know, interesting to see which route the Rangers go. I mean, they're one of several teams that I think over the next week it's going to make a big difference in terms of what kind of path they take and, and what role they play in the trade market. Uh, and that's you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to have Jonah Carey on the show today because I think the Blue Jays are one of the most intriguing teams in terms of uh, in terms of that. Um, Lottie Chisenhall is going to be placed on the 10-day disabled list. I'm going to talk more about Chisenhall later in the show because he was one of the players that I um, had targeted as entering into the second half on a hot streak. And, um, you know, I'm not sure how much this is going to change it, but I think it's certainly, you know, worth noting what uh, Chisenhall did in the latter part of the first half. But uh, not it's not really clear how long this calf injury is going to, uh, to keep him out. But uh, he sustained this injury right before the break. So, um, you know, there might have been some reason to uh, pick up Chisenhall. Uh, you know, I, I would say he's probably not worth a DL stash at this point, but I'll talk more about him later. Later, I can uh, save that for for later on. Uh, Kyle Hendricks could be back at uh, some point, either this week or early next week. So if you're playing in the three uh, three game week, playing a short week for week 15, uh, I would play it safe with Hendricks unless. There's uh, further news coming up uh, before the lineup block tomorrow. And there very well could be, uh, actually. So uh, last I've seen, the Cubs had not yet done any kind of uh, official evaluation of Hendrick's status, but he had a very good rehab start on Monday, and he is going to get back, it looks like, into the rotation. It's just a question of when. So it might be early next week. But if you're playing the 10-game week, or the 10-day week, I should say, because not every team has 10 games, you're playing the 10-day week, uh, I think it's it's pretty safe to count on Hendricks for your rotation. Um, by the way, in the month of May on Hendricks, he had a 
ERA with 26 strikeouts and six walks in 29 and two-thirds innings. So he was really rounding in, into form. He did make one start in June before going on the DL. was not one of his better starts. But, um, you know, I, I, I find the trend prior to that really, really encouraging for Kyle Hendricks. So, uh, like I said before, I think it's safe to get him into your rotation in a league where you're playing out uh, all 10 10 days for this uh, coming scoring period. David Dahl has started his uh, rehab stint in Advanced Class A California League. He started last night, went one for three. So no specific timetable for Dahl, but it could be back. He could be back very, very soon. And got a question about him today on Twitter uh, in terms of where he stands among outfielders. My concern with Dahl is that both because of coming off of injury and because of a roster crunch that he may not play every day. In fact, I I feel very confident he's not going to play every day. The question is, is he going to play close to regularly? I'm not super confident in that, but I think he's worth a stash in a five outfielder league. I'm not so, uh, I guess, sanguine about his chances uh, to produce in a three outfielder league. But five outfielder, 12-team mixed league, uh, if he's out there, David Dahl, find a way to stash him um, just in the event that he does get to play regularly because he's got a very, very nice, well-rounded skill set. Uh, I teased before the break saying there was another promotion, but this one was from AA to AAA of a big prospect, and the prospect is Ronald Acuna, the Braves outfielder. Uh, so he's going to AAA Gwinnett one step closer to the Braves. So that is a pretty interesting, exciting development there. Back to the trade market, uh, a report from John Heyman and FanRag Sports that the Tigers have been floating Justin Verlander out there for a trade, but very, very little interest on Verlander. However, that's not to say that the Tigers won't be active in the straight, in the trade market. They are getting lots of bites on J.D. Martinez, Justin Wilson, and Alex Avila. That's a pretty interesting one, and one that I worry might not be great for his uh, trade value or for his fantasy value because Avila has been playing pretty frequently for the Tigers. But those three players could be moving on from Detroit. Uh, Matt Kane is going to the bullpen to make room for Madison Bumgarner, who's uh, going to be coming off the DL right after the break. And Nate Jones, is, he has had season injury, season ending surgery on his right elbow. So we will not be seeing uh, Nate Jones again this season. Um, Further clarifying that bullpen picture for the White Sox, because again, one player who's been in trade rumors since before the season started is David Robertson. I have to think, especially with Quintana gone, that's probably the next big target for the White Sox to try to uh, get even more great prospects. So Nate Jones, uh, Definitely out of that picture, uh, looking better for Tommy Canely or maybe Anthony Swarzak. But I think Canely's the guy to uh, to target and stash uh, for potential saves down the road, maybe very, very soon. So that is the news for now. Uh, we're going to head to break very shortly. And when I come back, I'm going to be joined by Jonah Carey, and it's going to be awesome. So don't go anywhere. It's going to be a great segment. Be right back.
Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and the time has come. I've been talking about this for uh, at least a week or so. <laughs> uh, I'm Jonah Carey, welcome to the show. I, you know, I, uh, I realize I kind of just rushed right into that introduction, but I, I, you know, it's not that long of a segment, and you're writing for so many places. So <laughs> I'll just toss out there that people can find your work on CBS and uh, Sports Illustrated, but uh, where, where else can we find you? Uh, let's see, sportsnet.ca, I write lots of J stuff over there, I also write for The Athletic, which is a really cool startup in uh, Toronto, Chicago, Cleveland, and Detroit, and uh, yeah, those are the main places, Jonah Carey Podcast, let's see, cbssports.com uh, as well. Very remiss to not mention your part podcast, so I'm glad that you did, Jonah, thank you, um, and, and again, uh, welcome to the show. Um Glad to have you on at what I feel like is a, uh, a timely point. The uh, only thing that could be more timely is if we were going to talk about the White Sox or the Cubs. But I uh, yeah. <laughs> wanted to talk Blue well, Jays we with you. <laughs> we could. We could. Uh, right, well, you know, uh, do you, you have a, a kind of a, a quick uh, synopsis of, of uh, you know, what you think this means for, for those organizations and for Quintana in particular? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. And, and you're, you know, as an avid fantasy player, you know this. We always look at the larger sample, right? So people are going to say, well, Quintana's a whatever, 4-5 ADRA. That's ah, no good. He literally had 150 good starts under his belt, then seven bad, 11 bad ones at the beginning of the season, and now seven good ones. So we got 157 versus 11. I'm going to go with 157. You know, and, and really in the last seven starts, we've seen what he can do. The, problem, the big problem uh, as far as results went, he didn't have a drop on his curveball. He lost six inches of uh, vertical drop according to Brooks Baseball in the first 11 starts. That's mostly back. Strikeout rate is there. He's going to have a better defense behind him uh, with the Cubs than he did at the White Sox. I, he should be fine. You know, I, I expect him to have ERA around three, really good strikeout numbers, and really help that staff. And not for nothing, the Cubs rotation stinks. If you look, Tom Verducci wrote a great book about the Cubs called The Cubs' Way. You should totally read it. And the premise was the Cubs built their organization around hitting pillars, Rizzo, Bryant. They went out and got these young hitting superstars and said, we'll work it out with pitching. We'll either try to find a guy under a rock or we'll throw all the money in the world at a guy. Well, you know what? When you throw a lot of money in, at a 32-year-old, you run the risk of being wrong, and Lester can be good or terrible this year. And then when you try to guy, find a guy under a rock, sometimes start of the, some of their faults start to emerge, whether it's Hendricks, Arietta, some of these guys that were really great last year, they're not so great this year. So mm-hmm. that, that's sort of the issue they're dealing with. They needed Quintana. From the White Sox point of view, they had the worst, if not the worst, one of the top five or bottom five farm systems on baseball Literally a year or two ago, after trading Sale and Eaton and now Quintana, no question they're the best farm system in all baseball. Farm system doesn't necessarily win you World Series, but it gives you the foundation to do things. The Cubs tore everything down. They were terrible for a while. Then they won a World Series. The Astros tore everything down. My God, they were, like, historically terrible, like, unimaginably terrible. They might be the favorites to win the World Series this year, and if they don't this year, they're going to have a window of, I don't know, half a decade where they can get it done. That's where the White Sox want to get to. Maybe that's starting in – 
2021 or whatever, that we begin to see their potential. But that's the goal here. You get as many good young players as you can in the hopes that they kind of coalesce at the same time and become an interesting and dangerous team. Yeah, well, they're certainly getting there. And I'm glad you brought up the issue of defense because uh, I broke down the Quintana deal earlier in the show and talked about going to the NL and, and the park factor and run support. That was one thing I didn't touch upon. And, and it was something I thought about earlier today after the trade that uh, the Cubs defense, I, I think it probably is a, an upgrade, but uh, it'd be nice if they could get back to where they were last year because Javier Baez, at least in terms of the metrics, hasn't been as good this year, and I think they've missed yep. missed Dexter Fowler. So, um, you know, that, that that's kind of a, an interesting X factor, too, for uh, mm-hmm. for Quintana's value, I think, and, and for the rest of the rotation uh, as, as far as that goes. But let's, uh, well, let's Hayward, get to... Hayward, Hayward was hurt yeah. as well. So, I mean, yeah, the Cubs, the Cubs are still better defense than the White Sox are, but last year they were historically dominant. This, this year they're just kind of good. So, yeah. Right, right, exactly. So that'll, that'll work for Quintana. Um, mm-hmm. well, I do want to get to the Blue Jays, and there's a number of good storylines here. Um, not sure we'll get to get to all of them, but I, you know, I want to talk a little bit first about the trade market to kind of stay on this topic. Um, it, it seems like the Blue Jays aren't really that close. I mean, in the standings, they're not that far out of it, but uh, I mean, neither the offense nor the pitching looks that great. Uh, do you think there's any chance they're buyers? So it's complicated with the Blue Jays. One of the places that I read for is The Athletic. I just wrote a piece that came out today. It was a, about an hour conversation with Ross Atkins, the general manager. Very candid stuff. The kind of stuff that if you were a Jays fan arguing in a bar, you'd be like, think they should trade Donaldson? I don't know, man. So I just asked him those questions, and he answered them to his credit. And he said, you know, they're not going to tear it down. They're not going to trade Donaldson. They're not going to trade Stroman and Sanchez or Osuna. Those guys are all standing pat, standing pat, whatever. They might trade some of the pitchers that are coming up on uh, – you know, service time issues, Liriano's a free agent coming up, Estrada, half after next year, you can see things like that. But the most likely scenario, you know, because they're sort of around the fringes of the race, but not really, is to try to upgrade where they have the biggest hole. And the biggest hole in the roster is at second base. Devin Travis might be out for the entire season. We've now got a fair bit of evidence that he might be injury prone. And they really could use a solution that goes beyond this year. You know, the Jays are in this weird spot. They have the oldest group of position players in all of baseball. But they also have the highest attendance in all of baseball. They have fans who are very sensitive to this stuff. And if you start to blow things up, you know, then it could be a disaster. The Jays were out in the wilderness for 20 years. They didn't make the playoffs. Nobody came to the stadium. No agents were signing in Toronto. You don't want to torpedo all your momentum that you've got from 15 and 16. So what was Atkins suggested was the idea of going out and getting a guy, you know, who could not necessarily a prospect, but it could be a major leaguer who might have a year-and-a-half controllable time or two-and-a-half or whatever. So when you hear a name like D. Gordon come up, it makes total sense because Gordon is relatively young. He's controllable for a couple of years. He's not a superstar, so it wouldn't cost you as much as some other guys, but he fills the biggest hole in the team. And they wouldn't have to trade Vlad Jr. or Bo Bichette or something like that to get it. That's the kind of ideal situation for them. And the mo- what I could see as most likely uh, is that something like that happens. Not for nothing, by the way, but if you're in an NL-only fantasy league and you own D. Gordon, not the worst idea to, to see what the market is for him because that's a, that's a player I could definitely see getting traded one way or another uh, to another team. Yeah, no, it make, the match makes a whole lot of sense for both teams. The thing I worry about from the mm-hmm. Marlins' perspective is if um, Bichette and, and Vlad Jr. are off the board, uh, I, I just think there's a very big drop-off to the next tier of prospects, and I'm, I don't know if it would make it worth their while or if they could get a better deal elsewhere. But right. uh, exactly. you know, I suppose we'll see how that, that all plays out. Um, Marcus Stroman is somebody that I feel like I, I'm – kind of on an island about in terms of fantasy value. He's had some strange uh, reverse splits this year. 
And I'm not sure, you know, what your feelings are about that. I know people in the industry who are very um, skeptical about, uh, you know, reverse splits in general. Um, but I just think that Stroman, you know, if he's not getting, uh, you know, lots of ground balls, that he, he could be kind of vulnerable. And, um, you know, he's built a lot of his values so far this year. He's a top 30 fantasy starter, but uh, he has nine wins, and I'm not sure that the offense is enough to keep him uh, on, you know, that sort of pace. And he's uh, stranded 81% of his runners, which has helped the ERA. So really a two-part question, which is, am I just overreacting here? And is Stroman somebody in, in your fantasy leagues you would start, uh, you know, week in, week out? Uh, or is there a concern? And part B is, is that concern at all related to blisters, given that that's something that Stroman's been outspoken about lately? I, I will put forward to you that no pitcher in all of baseball has had more identical numbers from one year to the next 16 to 17 than Marcus Stroman is. Like, identical. Here we go. Strikeout right there. 7-3 in 16, 7-4 this year. Walks, 2-3 last year, 2-3 this year. Home runs, 0-9 last year, 1 this year. Ground ball rate, 60% last year, 60% this year. He's exactly the same guy. Batting average on balls and plays basically identical, too. Two things that are happening are strand rate. And, well, that's honestly the biggest thing is strand rate. Uh, strand rate was one of the worst in the league last year. It's one of the best in the league this year. And all of a sudden, the ERA went from 4-3-7 to 3-2-8. And also he had nine wins all of last season. He's got nine wins already this year. He's exactly the same guy. So where, where is his real ability level? That's what we're always trying to ask in fantasy. It's in between. By fielding independent metrics, he's a high three guy as opposed to a low four or low three. He's probably somewhere in between. Do you want a high three ERA guy who strikes out, you know, seven and a half batters per nine, which is right at league average? That, that's all right. I don't know what it does for you. I think it's Stroman's reputation. I don't know you're on an island. I think Stroman's reputation uh, exceeds his, his fantasy value. He's a better, probably a better real life pitcher than he is a fantasy pitcher. And I'm taking a guy, you know, I'd rather have probably Zach Godley than Marcus Stroman as an example. I just think there are guys who have less name value whose numbers are there that it's worth it to try to explore something else. So honestly, I try to say that anytime I have a player like that, if I have somebody who's really sexy, I'm just trying to trade him. If I have Andrelton Simmons and, you know, there's a gigantic Angels fan in my, in my league or whatever, I'm trying to trade him. You, you just try to do whatever you can. To, uh, to leverage the opportunities that you can. I think that Strowman, he's not an invaluable member of any fantasy staff. He's fine. You know, and if somebody else thinks that he's better than that, then you trade him. Yeah, well, uh, I'm really glad to get that validation, Jonah. <laughs> Next time somebody uh, you know, uh, questions me about uh, Strowman not being a must-start guy, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll tag you. <laughs> so, yeah, you uh, I Appreciate the analysis. Well, uh, we're, we're pretty short on time here, so I'm going to lump two of the hitters together that I've got some concerns about. Justin Smoke, who's really having an incredible year, and Jose Bautista, uh, who's kind of sandwiched a, a, a nice first half but started and ended it uh, in, in a slump. Uh, do you worry about either of them, uh, in Smoke's case, regressing to his previous norms, and in Bautista's case, uh, declining uh, as, uh, you know, as he ages? I think that smoke regression is almost inevitable, and it's not just because, oh, he's bad before and he's good now. I, I don't always say that. Sometimes guys break out, even if it's at an older age. It's that smoke has hit more, which is wall scraper home runs than virtually any, anybody else in baseball. And last count, I think he had 10 of those. That's uh, a fluke, right? I mean, even though we have a lively ball and everybody's uppercutting or whatever, if you're literally clearing the fence by five feet and doing it 10 times, you're probably not going to keep that up all season long. It doesn't mean it can't be good. It just means that you have to be more realistic about his home run total if he's on pace for 42 
maybe you go for 37 or something like that. So there's that. I just don't think Bautista is very good anymore. I think it's the bottom line. As a pure fantasy play, he's still got 14 home runs, and if you stay in the lineup every day and have power, you're going to hit some bombs. But he's just not a very productive hitter overall. If you look at the rest of his game, he's got more home runs than doubles. I mean, that's a little weird. Uh, not hasn't had very many singles either. You know, he's going to be a he's going to be a batting average drain. Uh, you know, he's not getting as many hits. He's got many home runs. He's going to be an RBI drain. I just don't think there's that much there. And in a season in which everybody hits home runs, in which Brett Gardner, Brett freaking Gardner, has as many home runs as Jose Bautista. Again, if somebody else thinks Jose Bautista is better, Mazel Tov, trade him away. I just don't see that much from him. <laughs> All right. Well, that was that was definitive enough for me. <laughs> well, Jonah, we're, we're pretty much we're pretty much out of time here. So I really appreciate you uh, cramming uh, a lot of information and, and uh, insight uh, in, into this segment. So thank you so much for uh, for joining me, and good luck in your leagues this year. Thank you very much, Al. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. Well, folks, stick around. A lot more coming uh, right after this break. We'll be right back. Hey, fantasy nerds, here's a question for you. What do mozzarella sticks and the Fantasy Sports Radio Network have in common? They're both awesome apps. <laughs> but seriously, download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app right now and get all your favorite shows and fantasy advice at the touch of a tiny icon on your screen. Snapchat and Instagram aren't going to help you win a fantasy football title, but the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app will. So go get it now on Google Play and iTunes. Welcome back. You're listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. And a big, big thanks again to Jonah Carey of CBS Sports SI, the Jonah Carey Podcast, and, and a few other places, too. Uh, so really enjoyed that conversation with Jonah. Uh, hope you did, too. And uh, as I promised earlier in the show, uh, I've got several players to talk about who are streaking into the second half. Going to get to them. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about the world's premier 24-7 fantasy sports radio network app, which allows you to take the experts with you wherever you go. Download the fantasy sports radio app in the iTunes store or on Google Play and listen for free anytime or anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincata on the treadmill. Benny Riccardi in the car, or Greg Sussman on the subway, or just relax with the king on the couch, or with Jake Seeley when you're jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go, so get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play, and take the experts with you. Alrighty, uh, so when I first brought this topic up on Tuesday's show, um, and again, I'd run out of time, so I've got a a pretty healthy list of players uh, who are entering the second half on a hot streak. And I talked a little bit about R.A. Dickey. I, I feel like it's worth uh, a little bit of repeating again because um, he's been extremely hot uh, going into the break and uh, featured him in the most recent waiver wire column, which went up on uh, Monday. But, you know, bear in mind, all the stats are exactly the same, not just for him, but for all the players in that uh, column. So you can still, if you missed it, you can go read it. And it's uh, it's evergreen until at least until, you know, tomorrow night. So check that out. But, uh, you know, I, I talk about Dickey in detail. One of the things that I feature in the column were a couple of heat maps for Dickey uh, from, uh, from Fangraphs. Because I'm just really try, just trying to solve the riddle of why is he 
doing so much better now, throwing strikes at so much of a higher rate, getting more swings and misses. And in his years with the Blue Jays, we, you know, overall, Dickey was, you know, sort of mediocre for, for fantasy purposes. And, uh, you know, but he would go on these runs sometimes of, you know, five, six, maybe, you know, seven starts. Um, but why this, you know, why this one? Why this particular one? Um, and the one thing I discovered that was different, the his knuckleball velocity up just a tick. I mean, not even, you know, a full mile an hour. Um, a little bit more movement on it, but, you know, nothing that would really cry out that this is a dramatic difference for him. Uh, the one thing that's really different was the pitch location. And whereas pretty much all year, Dickey was just pitching, you know, right down Broadway, uh, particularly against righties, he was over over the uh, you know last uh, several starts pitching you know, right on the edge of the of the zone much more often. So that would that would certainly you know explain it in terms of uh, you know more called strikes, uh, you know uh, really commanding uh, the edges of the zone more and not getting swings. And then when he gets swings, getting either a miss or some weaker contact. So at least against righties, and he's approved against lefties too, and the pattern isn't uh, really as evident with lefties. But against righties, I mean, that's, you know, go look at the column and you'll see, you know, look at the, the heat maps. It's night and day in terms of where he's been locating. So, you know, we saw this uh, early in the year. I talked great, uh, quite a great deal about Wade Miley and how he was painting the edges and getting a lot of success with that. And, and that was uh, sort of a short-lived trend for him. So yeah, I understand these things come and go, but as long as uh, you know Dickey is doing this with consistency, which he has been for a few weeks, uh, you know why not keep doing it? So or uh, keep trusting him, I should say, because he's still widely unowned in uh, in fantasy. So would definitely uh, encourage you to check that out. And another pitcher too, who's not nearly as available, but really streaking into the. Uh, into the second half is Aaron Nola. So this bait may be for owners more of a start-sit dilemma than a, uh, certainly not a buy-low, because that window is, is I would presume, closed very tightly. And uh, in most leagues, probably not even a waiver option, although it's worth looking, especially in shallower formats. But if you are already a Nola owner and you're not sure that you're trusting the recent stretch, and I don't blame you if you don't, because there's been a lot of inconsistency with Aaron Nola, and if you needed one more reason to be skeptical, he had a very good week 14 going into the break. His opponents were the Pirates and the Padres, who have been t- two of the worst teams against righties this year. But the two starts before that were also very good, and those were against the Cardinals and the Mariners, who have been uh, one of you know two of rather the better teams against righties. Not you know certainly not elite, you know not up there on a level with the Astros and and Yankees and Nationals, but you know good teams, good teams against right-handed pitchers. And he was very good in all four starts. And what I really like about Nola is that you're seeing a very similar formula to what you saw early in 2016 when he was very good and looked like he was just going to be a must-start stud getting 20 over the last four starts. So really, really great command. And at the same time, still getting swings and misses, getting those at an 11% rate. So I'm, I'm all in on NOLA uh, for sure right now. Uh, I'd mentioned Lonnie Chisenhall earlier in the show, so he's going on the, the DL with a calf injury. But going into, uh, and, and most of these stats I'm going to cite going forward are going to be 
last 30 days. Okay, so it's it's uh, not you know the majority of the first half, but it's it's a pretty big chunk enough to pay attention to. And over the last 30 days, Chisholm Hall is batting 330 with a uh, with five home runs and get this 27 RBI. That is just nutty. Um, that's also probably not sustainable, no matter how high his batting average is and how much power he has. But I've talked about Chisholm Hall earlier in the season and been very skeptical, I think probably right around the beginning of this 30-day run for him, where he was showing some power. And I said, yeah, we've seen power from Lonnie Chisholm Hall before, but it's always short-lived and the batting average is, is never there the way you want it to be. But now that we have more data to look at, um, the, he has been hitting with um, more hard contact. And uh, his previous high in terms of a hard contact rate coming into the season was 26%, which is distinctly below average. And uh, it's been uh, well above 30% during this stretch. So there, there's a little something to this. Unfortunately, the the DL stint is going to not only reflect that Chisholm Hall is not at full health, but it's going to mean an interruption. You know, it's going to mean a, a break in momentum for him. But if you're, uh, you know, if you're already an owner, certainly worth the DL stash. And if you're not an owner, um, if you have room for Chisholm Hall, you know, it might be worth a DL stash. And if not, at least, you know, keep an eye on when he's close to getting back. And at that point, maybe, uh, maybe give him a stash. Scooter Jeanette, what a, just what an incredible season he's had. Uh, and over the last 30 days, he has slashed 318, 396, 659. So, you know, this is not just a story of a four-homer game, uh, you know, amongst, you know, a, a bunch of other less noteworthy performances for Scrooge and Ned. I mean, he's really been a different hitter this year. And the question for him really is playing time. And before the break, we saw him getting uh, favored in a few games over Jose Peraza. I wouldn't be surprised to see more of that going forward. So uh, just the possibility of Jeanette getting more playing time, I think, makes him a good speculative pickup in, in some deeper leagues and a guy to keep an eye on in the standard and shallower leagues. And I didn't put him on my list, but just kind of an association game for me here. That makes me think about Jesus Aguilar, who's been a leader in terms of Average fly ball distance, hitting with a lot of authority. But again, how many times on this show have I talked about the Brewers roster crunch? It's very, very tough to see where uh, uh, Aguilar gets his his bats. And um, recently on the show, I know I've talked about um, how Eric Thames is a good buy low candidate, and um, you know that might not be the place where you see Aguilar uh, getting playing time. So I don't know. But again, sort of lump him in with Jeanette as. Somebody who is producing in kind of unpredictable, uh, inconsistent playing time. But uh, if that, that playing time somehow opens, whether it's by uh, route of, of an injury to another player or just manager decision, uh, you, you want to be early uh, on that band, bandwagon uh, for sure. Um, Eric Hosmer is entering the uh, the second half on not only a hot streak, but a power binge over the last 30 days, batting 318. That's not so surprising for Eric Hosmer. But with seven home runs over 30 days, yeah, that's, that's different. But recall last year, early in the season, that Hosmer started off uh, with really good power, and there was quite a bit of writing and discussion analysis about um, 
you know, is this the year Hosmer's finally breaking out as a, as a power guy? So because I've already been disappointed there because he's been so consistent as a pretty extreme ground ball hitter, I, I have to say I'm not really buying into this yet, but it's certainly something that I have on my radar. And I understand that Hosmer is not somebody you're likely going to get off of waivers, but in terms of, again, your start-sit decisions or um, trying to make a trade, that's uh, Hosmer, somebody to really watch uh, for this you know, first week and a half or so coming out of the break. So I've got a few more hitters that have been hot, that deserve some mention, and they will get mentioned and analyzed right after this break. Many fantasy football players are focusing on their upcoming drafts later this summer. But the smart fantasy owner knows there's another big draft before the one where you pick the players. The first step in building a winner for the 2017 season is to draft the best team of experts for your preseason prep. So make the right selection and pick the squad at rotoexperts.com by purchasing the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. The Roto Experts roster features FSWA inaugural Hall of Famer and former fantasy football writer of the year Scott Engel, nationally acclaimed top ranker Jake Seeley, 2015 and 16 FSWA award winners, Bobby McMahon and Brandon Murchison, and many more analysis with impressive stats. They bring you a draft package bursting with all pro analysis and in-season coverage that'll guide you to title glory. So pick the team to help you build the right team. Make your first important selection of the 2017 season now and get the exclusive edge fantasy football package from rotoexperts.com. Be sure to enter promo code free radio at checkout for your discount. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball, and I'm going to continue on here with some uh, hitters who were very, very hot over the last 30 days of the first half. And, you know, when we start the season, uh, you know, one thing that, that we often do is, you know, we look at, well, who had a good second half the year before? So why not look at the good first half? And see how that might uh, translate into a good second half of the same season. You know, logic applies. And, you know, there's less of an interruption in between, too. So I think these players are, are worth at least a look and a little bit of a, a deeper dig. And one of those players uh, is Michael Taylor. Now, I just talked about Lonnie Chisenhall going on the DL. Taylor already on the DL with an oblique strain. But the initial reports when he went on the DLs, it could have been a minimum stay, which means uh, he'd be back uh, probably sometime early next week. So probably not a great play, whether, you know, certainly not a great play if it's a three-day league uh, or three-day week that you're playing. But if it's a 10-day, even there, you probably have better options. But looking ahead a little bit, Taylor over the last 30 days batted 341, and that had a strong, strong basis in a 431 BABIP. So uh, skepticism, highly recommended there. But six homers and six steals. So the power-speed combo is uh, something that could very well be legit for Taylor. It's not easy to find. Hits in a great lineup. So, uh, you know, definitely keep tabs on his progress coming back. Uh, you know, think about stashing him. And it may you may not have to stash him for very long at all. Um, Eddie Rosario, also uh, very, very hot. And, in fact, um, a higher batting average, although not as high of a Babbitt for Rosario, uh, 344 over the last 30 days with five home runs, so fairly similar numbers to Michael Taylor. 
But still, still very high BABIP, 389 over that period. But the strikeouts are down for Rosario. So in some ways, that's more encouraging. I mean, you don't get the, the steals from Rosario that you could get from Taylor. So don't get me wrong. I would rather have Taylor than Rosario. But, um, you know, there's somebody who was making better contact and harder contact uh, in the last month or so. Uh, so, you know, he deserves a look. Um, Denard Spann is somebody that I talked about earlier in the season when, frankly, there wasn't really that big of a sample size to go on. But the, the trend at that point was, you know, Spann had a, a, a higher ISO than we're used, used to seeing from him. You know, he's been a batting average, run-scoring, stolen base guy for us in fantasy over the years. Uh, but there was some power. And the powers continued over the last 30 days three homers to go with the 317 batting average, which is really vintage span and four stolen bases, also vintage span and 17 runs to boot. So he continues to be more of a fly ball hitter uh, this year. Not a lot of hard contact, which is not something I like to see from somebody with the higher fly ball rate, but, but spans making it work even at AT&T park. So I feel like he's a little bit under owned and underrated. And finally, Jock Peterson who I felt like uh, was which was much maligned coming into the season, and I'd say even more so as the season has progressed. But since he's come off of the DL, uh, that pretty much coincided with uh, 30 days before the break. And over those 30 days, Peterson 304 with a 435 on base percentage and a 696 slugging percentage. The strikeouts are down. The fly ball rate is up. The pull rate is up. Uh, those latter two things aren't necessarily good for the batting average, but the, the drop in strikeouts can compensate for that. So I wouldn't write Peterson off. Uh, you know, he had uh, you know a lot of hype coming in uh, in his uh, rookie season, um, you know, had some ups and downs, but showed the potential to be a, great, a really good on-base source with good power. We are seeing that now from Jock Peterson. So... On that particular note, I'm going to wrap up a very busy show. So hope you enjoyed it and wish you luck uh, with the resumption of the second half tomorrow. And I'll be back tomorrow. Hope you join me then. Have a good one, everybody.